Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a special edition of DJ Sports Show. I would like to introduce a new series I'm going to be starting called NBA Players Bios. We're going to, I'm going to teach you and inform you on some of the greatest, on the greatest players to ever play the sport. And man, there's a lot of greats that I can get into. But first and foremost, we're going to get into the one and only Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So yes, the first player we're going to do is Michael Jeffrey Jordan, who was born February 17th, 1963 in Brooklyn, New York, to his mother, Dolores Jordan, and his father, who was tragically murdered in 1993, James Jordan. Michael Jordan's kids are Jasmine M. Jordan, Jeffrey Michael Jordan, Michael Jeffrey Jordan Jr., I believe. Marcus Jordan, Isabel Jordan, and Victoria Jordan. And his wife is Yoviette Prieto, who has been married since 2013, and his former wife, Juanita Vinoy, he was married from 1989 to 2006. So Michael Jordan, he was born in Brooklyn, New York, but he was raised in Wilmington, North Carolina. Growing up, Michael Jordan loved playing baseball, he played basketball. He played football. He played a, mul a multitude of sports. And when he was growing up, he he was a skinny kid growing up. And he had an older brother named Larry Jordan on the, who pushed him hard on the basketball court. His earliest arch rival throughout his career was Larry Jordan. He pushed him to levels, Michael Jordan said, that helped him become the player that he ultimately became in his professional career. He pushed him to get better because Larry Jordan was busting his butt. And I, I used to read so many books on Michael Jordan. Larry Jordan was busting his butt, if you know what I mean. Like, he was killing him in their driveway backyard when they used to play each other. He used to kill him. He, Michael Jordan even said his brother was a spectacular athlete in his own right. And the impact as far and and the impact he's made on him is just indelible. Even even though um so when he went to Laney he went to Laney High School for high school in Wilmington, North Carolina, and he was a sophomore, he was only five foot eleven and a skinny sophomore. He was cut from his varsity basketball team. How about that? A guy who many people see as the greatest in majority of most people's eyes, the greatest player of all time, didn't even make his varsity team his first two years of high school. That's that's insane. 
That's a testament to the killer mentality, the will to be great, and the work ethic this man had. To not even make a varsity team as a sophomore in high school and go on to achieve this iconic brand and the player you became and arguably the greatest athlete of all time and not even make a varsity team in high school. That's insane. And then the summer before his junior year, he grew to six foot three and, and he went on his way to become a superstar. He started getting offers from North Carolina. He started getting offers from all these blue bloods and all these top programs because they saw the talent and oozing potential in him. And he just started killing, man. And then he grew to 6'4", then later on 6'5", 6'6", and so on. And then after he graduated in high school, he would go on to play at the Blue Blood and the great UNC, North Carolina, where he would play for the all-time great head coach and legendary head coach and Hall of Famer, Dean Smith. Man, Dean. So when he enrolled at University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill in 1981, he became an important member of the school's basketball team right away. They won their, their school's the Division One championship in 1982, where Jordan scored that big-time basket in a 1982 championship game against Georgetown for the win. And there was only like five seconds left in the game. He made a big-time shot, and it led him to the national championship. Now, Dean Smith has quite a few left. Now, in this ballgame, Doherty has hit two of two from the line with four points. The only guy that hasn't shot perfectly from the line in the starting five is Worthy. He's two of five. This is in the second half I'm talking about. And at the line, Matt Doherty. He hit some big free throws, you might remember, in tournament play in the East region. Now with a big one-and-one. Georgetown can take the lead. 1.16 left. That's 10 rebounds for Pat Ewing. Eric Smith off to Pat Ewing. Hancock was wide open under the basket. Nobody saw him. I figure Sleepy Floyd's going to go for the jumper. Is he ever? Fake beautifully once, twice, gets a roll, and the Hoyas lead by one. What a play by Sleepy Floyd. 52 seconds. 18 points in the game for the All-American. And as we suspected, it's going right down to the wire. And Georgetown's going to go into the zone. They are not going to come out and chase. And North Carolina now cannot go to the four corners. With that odd point, we're going for a game-winning or a losing shot. And Dean Smith asks and gets timeout. That was the 15th lead change we've had in this ballgame on that remarkable suspension in midair by Sleepy Floyd. We'll be back. You see the time remaining, 32 seconds to win the championship. Georgetown adds the lead, and I just cannot believe this play that Sleepy Floyd made. Well, you knew he was going to take it. He's a money player, a double fake. Had a guy in front, a guy behind, and Georgetown getting some nice bounces now. Ewing's did the same thing right before that. What it does, Gary, it changes the offensive philosophy completely for North Carolina. They, with the lead, could force Georgetown to be man-to-man. -man. Now Georgetown back in the zone. Most coaches, though, with a timeout, go ahead and change their defense just to throw the other team off stride. Let's see if Georgetown now comes out man-to-man. -man. Georgetown still has one timeout left. North Carolina has four, 32 seconds to go. A one-point lead for Georgetown. No, they stay in the 1-3-1 with Ewing in the middle. 
They've got to look to get it in there. You can't with a shot blocker like Ewing take so much time. Gordy to Black. The time, 18. Shot, Jordan. Michael Jordan, 14 seconds. Brown. Look for, look for Sleepy Floyd. Look. Oh, he threw it to the wrong man. He threw it to Worthy. It's over. It's over. He's fouled by Eric Smith. Fred Brown, somehow or another, threw the ball into the hands of James Worthy. Look at Dean Smith. Totally in control. Everybody going crazy. See if he doesn't call a timeout to settle things down. The emotion. Jordan is down. He is down and now getting up. There's Black. Black. That's Black. He can't believe it. He's been on three straight ACC championship teams but never won at all. But I tell you, the guy you got to feel bad for is Fred Brown. It's like he looked back. I don't know why or what happened. Let's look at it. Here it is right here. concentration that was a smart foul right there we've got two seconds to go look at this the emotion of NCAA basketball now worthy just has to get that ball up there if he hits the rim he's in good shape even if he misses the shot because Georgetown in bad shape foul wise they had Eric, one Smith, timeout left. Eric Smith has fouled out of the ball game and after all of that he did as he tried to come back and double up and come up with the ball. Dean Smith looked at James Worthy and said, make these. <laughs> what else? Smith leaves the game with 14 points, three rebounds. Now, Worthy is the man that I guess should be resting on his shoulders. He's had eight, 28 points tonight, but he's hit only two of five from the free throw line. It's a very, very big shot. Now they're going to call timeout. Is Georgetown calling that? No, I can't believe John Thompson would have called that. I believe Dean Smith did, just to reorganize the whole situation. He called his fifth? Very surprising, unless John wants to just give him a talk to him about the future. Because now he can't do anything other than throw the long pass if the shot is missed. Well, he's run out of timeout. That's right, that's his fifth. And so even if they get the rebound on this, two seconds, there's nothing left you can do. That's right. Very interestingly, in the rule changes in basketball and thinking ahead into next year, although this game certainly is not over, one change we're going to see, the jump ball situation. If the defense creates the jump ball, the ball will turn over to the defense and disregard the pointing of the arrow, which I think most coaches have asked for. The clock, we won't see that at all. And what we may also see, there's been some talk, if a game goes into overtime and a player is fouled out, he gets an opportunity to come back with one more foul. Well, for so many years, they said about Dean Smith, he couldn't win the big one. He's two seconds away from winning the big one now. The seventh time he's been to the Final Four, the fourth time in the championship game. And let's watch. We'll just watch and see what develops. two-shot intentional evidently no one moved anyway that's, right. that's what it they was called it a two-shot intentional we never did get that signal now there's where they could have used the timeout and Georgetown loses it North Carolina has won the 1982 NCAA championship
And he won college, the NCAA College Player of the Year in 1983 and 84. And then after his junior year, he joined the NBA in 1984. And then in 1985, he will finish his bachelor's degree in geography as he continued to play basketball professionally. But yeah, I want to get more into details of his father. So his father was murdered in the summer of 93, like I mentioned earlier, when two teenagers shot him in his car as an apparent robbery as he was driving from Charlotte to Wilmington, North Carolina. And he went missing for 11 days until his body was found in a swamp in McCall, McCall in South Carolina. The two teenagers were later convicted of the crime and received life sentences for first-degree murder. So I just want to get that out there. That, that was very tragic when that happened, and it, it caused Michael Jordan to, you know, retire from, for the first time from basketball. But, yeah, Michael Jordan, man, he was a third overall pick. Imagine that. Nobody knew how good this guy would become because, remember, when he got drafted into the league, it was a big man's league. Kareem, Wilt, Bill Russell, Bill Walton, the big men. The guy, the franchises that had elite big men were running championships. Guards, like, it wasn't a dominated guards league yet. Michael Jordan, that's what one thing, one way how he changed the game. He showed that perimeter players could be the number one option on a championship contender. And he showed you can win multiple championships as a top flight wing player. Shooting guard, small forward, you name it. He proved that. Before Kobe, before LeBron, he was he was the guy. He showed the path. He paved the way. And, man, he, like, he, <clears throat> Hakeem Olajuwon was selected first overall at Houston University. Became an NBA legend. The controversial Sam Bowie pick when he was picked out of Kentucky, but he suffered several injuries while in college. And, fortunately, it carried on into the NBA, and he never reached his true potential. And then, who knows? If he would have got drafted to the Blazers, maybe he could have... Him and Jackson could have won multiple championships for the next decade. Two, both of them. Michael Jordan arguably the GOAT. And then Drexler is a top 50 player of all time. Imagine that tandem together. Oh, my goodness. Or the uh, Houston Rockets selected Michael Jordan to go with um, Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, not Hakeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson. Oh, my goodness. But, man, so coming off a gold medal performance in the summer 1984 Olympics, he prospered in the pro game with a fabulous first season where he won rookie of the year where he absolutely dominated. He came in right in the right into the league killing, killing. He averaged 28 points a game, which was third behind Bernard King and the great Larry Bird. Six and a half boards and six assists per game. He was selected to the NBA second team and the Bulls improved their record by 11 more games than in the season before to his arrival to his arrival and made it to the playoffs. He averaged 29 points per game in the first round series, but the Bulls lost in four games to the Bucks. His first, his first season, he, bro, my early Michael Jordan is arguably the most athletic athlete of all time. He had a 50-inch vertical, they said. Like 48, 48-inch vertical. It's insane how athletic this dude was. He was a freak of nature. Freak of nature. Him, LeBron, Giannis, Shaq, Walt Chamberlain are like the biggest freak of nature in NBA history. Yeah, so that was his first season. And then his second season... He missed a lot of time that year because he broke his ankle, and um, he yeah, and he didn't get to come back to the playoffs. He did not have outstanding shooting range in his early years, and he was thought to and he he was caught he was thought of uh, coasting on defense in his early years. 
and it was it was because he was trying to get used to the co- the NBA game because it takes time to get adjusted to the NBA game. It takes a few years to really understand the NBA game. His his mid range game though was impressive. He was he's always been a great mid range shooter, shooting fifty one percent in his early year shooting percent percentage and his steals were he was great at getting picks off passes, great on ball defender, and he became better as time went on. But he, as he, the years going on, he's seen to improve, and he will ultimately be regarded as threat from anywhere on the floor, and one of the best one-on-one defenders and defensive players of all time. And when, I remember when they when he got drafted, man, Rod Thorne, who was the GM at the time, they called him and said, when they when they saw Michael Jordan early on in training camp and in the games, they said, man, you did not mess this draft up. <laughs> man, like he he was that special. He was so authentic and unique in his basketball skills. And Nike signed him to a major shoe deal because the appeal he had. And he surpassed the loftiest expectations coming into the league. And the first pair of Jordans he wore was his team's red and black. I think it was the first pair of Jordans. And and the colors that then be initially considered in violation of the uniformity of uniform rule. And if he continued to wear them, he occasionally did. And the demand for that version of this Air Jordan line was unprecedented. He had a clause in his contract that allowed him, unlike most other NBA players, to play basketball anytime in the offseason, known as the love of the game clause. That's crazy. <laughs> I never knew that. This man, this man was just different, bro. And he, if you guys know it or not, he wore North Carolina um, Tar Heel um, shorts under his Bulls jersey after during every game, every game to give him good luck in the game. That's what he said. Give him good luck during the game. This may have led him to wear longer game shorts, although he 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 said that the extra length allowed him to bend at the waist and tuck at the hem for a good resting position. Either way, the baggy shorts were started, and and the entire league and sport would follow. So Michael Jordan started that trend for the baggy shorts that you saw in the '90s, which became very popular, and in the early 2000s, like the, and then in his what third season, he had another great year. He was killing the league. Like his his early, like in 1986-87 after his second season where he was married by injury. Oh, let me not forget the 86 playoffs. Michael Jordan had 63 points against the Celtics. 63 points against that 86 Celtics team that had multitude of Hall of Famers. Yes, they lost the series, but it is amazing what a young Michael Jordan was doing during that time. Larry Bird was on that team, who was top 10 all time. Kevin McHale, top 50 all time. He had Robert Parrish, all time great. Dennis Johnson, another all-time great. All Hall of Famers. Bill Walton coming off the bench, who was the sixth man of the year that year. Another all-time great. You had a great team right there. And he was like the only lone superstar. Sky Pippen wasn't there yet. And that was his second season in the league. And he dropped 63 on their head. 63. That's astounding what he did. Like, you hear me struggling with words. It's just amazing what he did. At that age, in that environment, against that team, who's considered one of the top five all-time teams in NBA history. Michael Jordan has given us some of the most iconic moments in sports history and in NBA history. From the 63-point game in Boston Garden against the 86 Celtics to Craig Eagle's shot in 89 against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the game winner. To the shot against the Jazz in NBA Finals in 98, his last shot as a Chicago Bull to destroying the Phoenix Suns in the 93 NBA Finals, to the switching hands in 1991 in the 1991 NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. There has been countless 
iconic memorable moments moments of the great Michael Jordan. But first, this is the audio for him when he scored 63 against 86 Celtics in his second year in the NBA in the 1986 NBA playoffs. It'll be more of a five-man game, and uh, we really have to play a complete basketball game. I, I don't think one man can beat the Boston Celtics. It's hard to imagine that six weeks ago you were sitting on the bench. Yes, it, it is. It's very hard for me to imagine. I'm very happy I'm, I'm playing now, and I'm very happy I can contribute to the team. One of the things I was looking for early, Dick, is the tempo of the game by the Bulls to try and get some fast break opportunities. And here's Michael Jordan, Rookie of the Year last year, and led his team in virtually every category, including rebound. Sidney Green is up on high, setting a screen. Johnson trying to fight through it on a switch. Bird guards Jordan, and Jordan hits the jumper anyway. Mike Tebow, who is one of the assistant coaches with Chicago, said about Jordan, he's got the, the jump shot ability of a Jerry West and the ability to go to the hoop of a Julius Irving. Pretty good people to be compared with. Long range, Jordan hits. Jordan against Ainge. Jumper, good. Michael Jordan. You cannot stop him because he handles the ball so much. And he, he, they, so much, a percentage of, of the offense is designed for him to just get the ball and score. Walton has come out to meet Jordan. Jordan trying to use his quickness and it works. Michael Jordan with 44 now in the ball game. Jordan cuts the Celtic lead to two and he has 46 points. Looks like lately the Bulls have been going to Jordan like they did at the start of the last game. Here he is, the move and the basket. Celtics have fought back. Jordan, short jumper, and it drops, and 50 points for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has been a sensational show again. 52 points for Michael Jordan, and Chicago leads by two. The leading scorers in this game, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. So six seconds to go, Tommy. The obvious thing is to let Michael Jordan do it, either outside or inside. He has a career high of 52 points. Michael Jordan working against Dennis Johnson. Clock running down, three seconds, three-point shot, no good. And a foul, late sweep. A foul against Kevin McHale has been called by Middleton. With no time showing on the clock. Kevin McHale can't believe it. Here's Kevin coming all the way. And we didn't see what actually happened, but players do fake the foul. He can tie it up here and send the game in overtime. No time remaining. Overtime in game two of our best of five first round NBA playoff. Michael Jordan with 54 points, a career high, and five minute overtime session. Long range, Jordan hits it, 56 for Jordan. They're this close. Three on the shot clock. Jordan, basket, good, and a foul. And a big basket for the Chicago Bulls. And Jordan could give them a four-point lead. 58 for Michael Jordan. Ainge guarding Michael Jordan. Jordan goes up for the shot and hits it. And has 61 points to tie Elgin Baylor's all-time single-game playoff record that he established against these Celtics. Jordan with eight on the clock. Jordan ties the game. Oh, boy. 63 points, and you're looking at an all-time record. Jackson looking inbound. Woolridge, six seconds. Woolridge for three, way short. Throws up an air ball, and the Celtics will have it with four seconds to go. And a hard-fought victory for the Boston Celtics to take a two-to-nothing lead over Chicago in their best of five.
Our Miller Lite most valuable player of the game is Michael Jordan with an all-time record 63 points in a single playoff game. I don't think you can say it or explain it any other way. Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, and he's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah, that's amazing, right, guys? <laughs> just the audio version of it alone. Just, just imagine what he's doing on the court. Like, the moves he was doing in the league during that time, he was the... F Bro, he, he looked like the future of the league, and he was. He was just way ahead of his time. The stuff he was doing, we will see in the future, in the 2000s, in the 90s, I mean, in the 2010s, from guys like Kobe, Iverson, Vince Carter, LeBron James, T-Mac... He was doing all these aerial, beautiful moves that we'd never seen before. And the Celtics were in shock. If you saw the look on Kevin McHale's face, if you ever saw the video, he's like, bro, how's this guy doing this? He, he's just quicker, more explosive than everybody else on the court. He has the mind with the mentality to go along with his gifts. And he had the fundamentals of the game. That's why he was so unstoppable. He had the fundamentals and the mentality to match his athletic gifts. And that's what made him probably the greatest score of all time it's tough for me it's a toss-up between him kobe and kd great score of all time but there's a big argument made for michael jordan he's the all-time leader in terms of um scoring champion and has the highest average for a career in points per game and the highest average in points per game in the playoffs so he has a big advantage in that in that regard but yeah what he was doing in the league it was just futuristic and it was just abnormal what he was doing but yeah but then in his, after uh, injury mared second season, his third season, he came out breaking new ground. He became the first player since the great Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain to score more than 3,000 points in a single season. Oh, my goodness. He he was unstoppable that year, and I, and I believe he made All-NBA first team. He had to. There was no way. There was no way he did not make All-NBA first team. No way. And then his fourth year... He won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season in 1987-88, which is just ridiculous. The only players to ever do that in, a sing in the same season are Michael Jordan, the great Hakeem Olajuwon, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who did it this recently, this past season. Those are the only three greats who've done it. That That's, that's esteem and legit company to be in. You know how hard that is to do? You know how the effort you put in offensively, you're putting so much effort to carry your team every night, every single game, going hard in practice. And then on the other end, too, you're guarding the best player. You're making the biggest impact on your team. And, and you're shutting down the best player and trying to give, make it tough for them all night long. You're taking that assignment. You're, you're getting on loose balls. You're diving for the ball. You're protecting the rim. Like, this is what he did. And it was just, I think, and he's one of the few guards to ever win the award. He was one of the few guards to ever win the award. And he was a starter in the All-Star game his first year in the league. Coming right out of the gate, he was starting the All-Star game. And I remember they they froze him out his rookie year, Isaiah Thomas, who has, as many of you know, does not like Michael Jordan. Him and Michael Jordan have a history of hating each other. And they limited his opportunities to score by not passing the ball to him in his first All-Star game. And, yeah, it's just, like it's just crazy, man. 
it's just insane. He averaged 37.1 points per game in the, in the first of seven consecutive seasons in which he led the league in scoring a top 30 points per per game. He scored 40 or more points in nine consecutive games and 23 straight in one game to send an NBA record that season. At the All-Star weekend, he won the first of his two slam dunk contest competitions. However, they lost to the Celtics in the first round and were swept by the Celtics. But after that season, they began forming a team around him. They drafted uh, their power forward, Horace Grant, who won those first three set of championships with the Bulls. His wingman, Scottie Pippen, who also became one of the all-time greatest small forwards and players of all time, top 50 greatest. Um, in a draft, they traded with the Sonics for um, Alden Pownalis, who was from the University of Virginia. And in 1987-88, like I said before, he won MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and All-Star MVP. Excuse me. And he led the Bulls to a first-round playoff win over the Cavaliers before falling to the Pistons in five games in the conference semifinals. And man, yo, the Pistons, the Pistons, those bad boys Pistons gave him hell. The aggressive style of play they had on Jordan, they beat him up. He and it was this was skinny Michael Jordan, so he he didn't really you he because they said early on he didn't really like to use weights to mess up his style of play and stuff like that, and they would use to beat him up, punch him, hit him in the air, smack him, stuff like that, and hit him hard when he went in the air. So make it tough on him, make him feel a physical pain. The one thing I'll say, the league, the league was way way more physical when Jordan played. I'm not gonna say more skilled, but it was more physical for sure. And they utilized a defensive scheme by head coach Chuck Daly, and they named it the Jordan Rules. They dared Jordan to single-handedly win games. They constantly doubled and triple-teamed him, and he didn't have enough help during that time to really take over the Pistons. Scottie Pippen wasn't Scottie Pippen yet, if you know what I mean. And the Bulls, however, were nudging to a championship as each successive season, the team will get closer and closer to reaching the ultimate goal. But... At the like those the years before they won the champion they won the first championship like for two three four years they had t- trouble getting past those Pistons man they kept beating them up man and Jordan couldn't take the physical toll on him in the 1988-89 season Jordan's best statistical season he led the league with 32 and a half points per game he was tenth in assists with a career high eight per game and a career high eight rebounds per game. And he also ranked third in steals with two, 2.8 steals per game. But before I get into the shot on Elo, I want to have you guys listen to how the Pistons beat up on him and the Jordan rules and what those years were like. In the 89 playoffs, the Pistons didn't lose a game on their way to the conference finals. And that brought them face to face again with Michael Jordan. Jordan and the Bulls won a game in Detroit. And then he looked practically invincible in Chicago. And with seconds left in game three, the ball was in his hands with a chance to go up two to one in the series. Five seconds to go. Jordan off the glass. It's over. Chicago wins. That was uh, get the ball, Michael. Everybody get the out of the way. Go to the basket. Talked to Isaiah later that night. He said he went out by Michigan Avenue on the water out there. He said he sat out there for like four or five hours. Dumars and I were on the phone for hours talking about 23 and Red. 
It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I get a phone call. And it's Isaiah. And he says, I finally figured out what we need to do to stop Jordan. Jordan has not been an offensive force in this game. We are playing them entirely different today, more double teams in different positions, and we're much more aggressive. Here's his best player in the league, and here's this bunch of role players. How are they doing it? They must have some trick. Oh, it's the Jordan rules. They've got this secret Jordan rules. The Jordan rules? Is that something you guys made up? On the switch, Jordan. Jordan rule? No, I don't, I don't know what that is. It was like the Finchie code, the formula to Coca-Cola, and the Jordan rule. You're not going to give your game plan away on television, man. This is the Jordan rules. If Michael was isolated, we forced him to dribble the ball to the middle of the floor. If he was in the middle of the floor, we forced him left. The nearest defender would run and double team him. Hit him on screens every time to wear him down. Every time he drove, you sent three or four people at him. Jordan, Robert. Every time he came in that lane, he was <laughs> boom. And that's what we're talking about when the Pistons want to make Jordan pay whenever he gets in the paint. Every time you look around, you see Michael Jordan on the grind getting up like, oh, man. Physically, I wasn't ready. And I didn't have the energy to go against that. Anybody but him. He was not going to beat us. That was the Jordan rules. Pittman. We didn't even think about Scottie Pippen. It was Michael Jordan and the Jordanaires, and you can't win championships like that with only one player. The Pistons won the next three games to close out the Bulls in six. Yeah, man, that show was like Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, they were playing some rough, Batman. At one play, they hit him so hard he was grabbing his his hip, and he was he saw the grimacing pain he was in. And, and, and it was just, and you saw, like, damn, the, this physical toll is taking a toll on him, man. But it only pushed him, pushed him to work harder and and get stronger and stuff. But now I want to, before we get into when they got past the Pistons and his championship years, I want you guys to hear the shot on Elo. Either one of uh, baseline screens, either by Nance or by Darty. Elo will inbound. He gets it into Nance, gets the ball back, drives to the hoop. The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. You'll see the drama unfold. The big thing here is that you jam the passer or you put a lot of pressure on the man. Now, Nance is laying off him right now, but watch to see if he runs at the ball or he picks up the cutters coming to the ball. Sellers will inbound. Sellers has Jordan. Jordan with two seconds to go. Puts it up. It's good at the buzzer. Michael Jordan has won it for Chicago. Michael Jordan hit the basket at the buzzer. As a disconsolate, Lenny Wilkins leads the floor. And for the second time today, the visiting team has won the deciding game in an opening round series. And the Chicago Bulls will move on to play the New York Knicks. 
best of seven. Right now, let's go right... Michael Jordan will go on and hit that legendary shot over Craig Gilo in one of his most iconic moments in his career and in sports history, hitting that game-winning shot to send the Bulls to the next round. Or they'll eventually lose to his nemesis, like I mentioned earlier, who he would have trouble getting past for a couple years before he broke through and won the championship, the Bad Boy Pistons, who eventually won the championship that year, 1989, and, and, and go, go on to repeat in 1990. But yeah, Michael Jordan, he, at that point, he was, a, he was a global icon. Almost everybody in the world pretty much knew who Michael Jordan was before he even won championships. And like they said in the commercial, everybody wanted to be like Mike. Or about his commercials with the great Spike Lee when he was Morris Blackman. It's gotta be the shoes. Yo, Mars Blackman here with my main man, Michael Jordan. Yo, Mike, what makes you the best player in the universe? Is it the vicious stunts? No, Mars. Is it the haircut? No, Mars. Is it the shoes? No, Mars. Is it the extra long shorts? No, Mars. Is the shoes it, right? Nah. Is it the short socks? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes! Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. What about the shoes? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes! Or about the other Spike Lee commercial for the Air Jordan 3s. And Jordan, he was hanging on the rim. And Jordan goes dunking on him. And he's, at the beginning of the commercial, he's standing on Jordan's shoulders. And you just see the, like, the iconic, the mogul that he is. And then when you saw the, like, Mike commercial, when you're listening to that, and when you've seen it, I, I bet every athlete has seen that commercial. Pretty much. All the kids gathering around him want to play basketball with him. All the people are saying they want to be like Mike. Like, it's just iconic, bro. Like, this was even before he won championships. It's how global and iconic this man was. But yeah, here's the audio to the Air Jordan 3 commercial that was very famous and iconic. Do you know who the best planet game is? Me, Mars Blackman. And I'm way above the rim, demonstrating some serious hang time. Very serious. Do you know how I get up for my game? Do you know, do you know, do you know? That's right, Air Jordan, Air Jordan, Air Jordan. Mike, what's up? Oh, m money, money. Why you want to do that to me? Why you leave me hanging? Come on. I got it. Oh, Mike, man. That's so bad. Mars Blackman here again. You know, nobody in the world can cover my main man, Michael Jordan. Nobody, nobody, nobody. No, no, no. I'm telling you, it's impossible. 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 Imp However, it's easy to cover Mars Blackman. In the offseason of 1989, the Bulls made a big move. So after he was the cover on Sports Illustrated article prior to the beginning of the 89-90 season, um, when he was... Emerging when um Jordan's emerging golf game and his thoughts about Jordan PJ tour after his NBA career was over, Chicago, Chicago management made a big move in the head coaching position. After so his first head coach was named uh, Kevin Lowry. His first two or three years, then he had Doug Collins for a few years. 
then they made the big move that forever changed his career and the trajectory of his career and altered it forever. They hired the Zen master, Phil Jackson, who wasn't even known as a Zen master then. Phil Jackson, under Jackson's leadership, the Bills instituted the triangle offense, a fluid passing cutting system that created opportunities for all five players on the floor to score. But when the play broke down and the shot clock waned down during games, Jordan had the free ring to create his own shot and use his elite athleticism, his fundamentals, and killer mindset to take over the game. During that season, the Bulls went 55-27, and 27, the franchise's best record since 1971-72. He set his career high in points with 69 against the Cavs and a 117-113 overtime win. He emerged as a three-point threat, posting a 37% percentage, which is better than his previous best. And however, the, Bulls, the Pistons defeated the Bulls in a tough seven-game series in the 1990 Eastern Conference Finals. And when I was watching The Last Dance, and I didn't know Scottie Pippen had a migraine. Scottie Pippen, man, who said, like, who knows? If Scottie Pippen didn't have that migraine and he could have played to the best of his ability to help Jordan out, maybe they could have, he could have seven rings in his career. Maybe it would have been seven instead of six. Who knows? That migraine, that migraine, really, because he couldn't play that game. His vision was blurred and everything. And the Pistons were going to beat the Bulls for the very last time in the Eastern Conference Finals 1990 MLP as champions against the Lakers. I mean, against the Blazers that year. They beat the Blazers in 1990, and then they beat the Lakers in 1989 against Magic Johnson. That third consecutive playoff defeat to the Pistons prompted many to think out loud that the scoring champion that Jordan was and how he could score all these points. He's a phenomenal athlete and everything like that, but he can't lead his team to win to the ultimate prize, the title. That's what people were starting to say because he was, what, in his sixth year by then, going to his seventh year, and he still hasn't won an NBA championship. And he was, what, 20, 27 by that time? By the time he was entering his seventh season, 27, going to turn, going to turn 28, and he still hadn't won the big thing, the big prize yet, that championship ring. The next year... The Bulls, as a team, waltzed through the pro season, lost only twice en route to the franchise's first NBA title. Their redemptive blow was the sweep of the Pistons in the conference finals, and that was a controversial conference finals because once they beat their ultimate arch rival for the past four, four years in the playoffs, who beat them up physically, mentally, drained the team, beat him up, Scottie Pippen up, Horace Grant, all made these guys physically and mentally tougher over the years, they finally got over that hump. And beat the Pistons. But when they beat the Pistons to advance to the 91 NBA Finals, they didn't shake their hands. They just walked out of the crowd and went about their business. As you mentioned, he will be the head coach of the 1992 U.S. Olympic men's basketball team, which will compete in Barcelona, Spain. Here's Pippen, fouled by Thomas. But you feel that he will be back. I feel that he'll be back unless some circumstances come up in those two weeks that Chuck says, you know, I don't think I can do anything else in Detroit. I need to do something else. And Chuck is now clearing the bench. And all we have to do is listen to the crowd. Very emotional scene as Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars were taken out of the game. Bill Lane Beer ran off the bench to hug both of his teammates. The Pistons with the indication that it is all over. A great run has come to a close. With 4.38 remaining in this fourth quarter. Now Isaiah runs out to center court to hug Mark Aguirre. 
wonderful scene for the Detroit Pistons. And it's richly deserved because they have been there, they have done the job, they have stuck together through a lot of adversity, even in their locker room. Those guys are battlers. And a long-standing ovation by this crowd of 21,000 at the Palace of Auburn Hills. A long thank you for the two championships. The applause continues. And of course, while that was going on, Michael Jordan also has gone to the bench so he can rest those knees. The Chicago Bulls will await the winner of the L.A. Laker Portland Crown Blazer Series. Timeout has been called. Pistons calling for time. The Bulls now lead it 105-80. And now Vinny Johnson being greeted Way to go, at the bench. So all the important parts of the last two championship years getting their due from the crowd and from their teammates. Hastings. Bedford on the recovery gets it back to Hastings. Scott Hastings intent to put one through. That's his first bucket. We're down to 45 seconds left. King with the one-on-one -on -one move on Tree Robert. And Hastings able to get to it. That's a leg block. Kicked by Hudson. Tomorrow, the NBA playoffs continue right here on NBC. Game five of the Western Conference Finals. James Worthy and the Lakers. Magic Man. And the whole crew going up against Clyde the Glide Drexler and the Portland Trailblazers. Hastings hits for three. Dick Enberg, Steve Jones will be on hand. And that'll be 9 o'clock Eastern time. Lakers and the Blazers in game number five. How about the turnaround by Vladi Divac? I think, Michael, I think that Magic Johnson really got him fired up about it and really did the job. Well, I think the crowd is cheering here for the Bulls right now and the Pistons as they leave the court. Yeah, I don't think they're cheering for the Bulls, but uh, I, I think the greeting is for the Pistons as they are headed off as time runs down. Pistons wasting no time in getting out of here. Now a timeout was called. They left the bench, although there's seven and nine, ten seconds remaining. The Pistons just left. That's a three-pointer. With four and nine ten seconds remaining. Isaiah Thomas, get a lot of Jack McCloskey. With uh, another emotional hug. That's that's been the story here in the fourth quarter. The Detroit Pistons heading back to the locker room. Their season has concluded while the Chicago Bulls advance to the NBA championship round. Yeah, it was very controversial in that time, and that's probably the reason why Isaiah Thomas didn't make the dream team because they didn't shake their hands and that didn't go well with Jordan at all. He 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 really emphasized that in the last dance. Him and Isaiah Thomas have they have he respects Isaiah Thomas as the second. He even called him the second greatest point guard of all time on the last dance behind Magic Johnson. Like he doesn't like him, but he respects him in his game and he realizes that he's one of the greats. But yeah, that bad blood between them, that I feel like because Jordan was the leader of the dream team and they wanted Michael Jordan first. He was universally regarded as the best player in the entire world. 
they probably asked him, do you want to stay on the team? And he probably said no. He might not admit it, but I feel like that's what happened. But after they they finally got over the hump in 1991, being the Pistons in the conference finals and sweeping them and beat them on the home floor, and they walked out like that, they go on to the NBA finals against the old Showtime Lakers, who Magic Johnson was about to retire before the beginning of next season. And they were going to beat the Lakers in, what, five games? And Jordan averaged 31.4 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, 8.4 assists per game, earning the first of his six NBA Finals MVP awards. And he retired those Showtime Lakers, man. And then he, we got I got to play this iconic play. When he switches his hand, when he goes to the rim, goes up in the air, switches from right hand to left hand, in graceful, beautiful poetry motion against the Lakers on that one drive and lays it up off the glass and in. And Hank Jackson says it best here. What a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Here it is. Fire away. He's now one for nine. The look away to Levingston. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. That's 13 consecutive field goals. Looks like Michael Jordan is trying to find a way to miss his shot. Instead of taking the easy one, he tries to make it hard and still comes up. He's saying to the fans, I love it. And then by that time, Jordan, who shaved his head completely bald, which led to a lot of people shaving their head. This is how iconic this man was. By just uh, the shininess of his bald head. And it made it look good on him. It fit his face. He he was very, what's it called? Um, He was very, um, what's it called? I don't even know the word to describe him. Like, he was just, he was just, he was just, um, like, he, he was so private in his, like, approach. Like, it was just, it was just legendary. Like, you know how social media wasn't as big back then as it is now? Like, we know almost everything about LeBron, Kobe, and guys like that. Jordan, it was different. Like, the media wasn't as big back then. There wasn't as much social media. There was no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, no Snapchat, nothing like that. So he didn't really know much about his private life. That's what made the mystery about, about him and the, the mystical figure he is. That's what I meant. The mystical figure that he is made it so more uh, appearing and... And appealing to appealing to watch him and to know more about him because we didn't know much about him about his private life. And he was known to be an ultra demanding of his teammates. Man, him and that's what Kobe Bryant. She he took it from Jordan. Man, Jordan was very demanding of his teammates. He he punched Steve Kerr in the face before. He talked. He said some mean. Yo, he said he said some crazy stuff to teammates in practice. Say they soft. Stuff like Charvin, stuff like that. He said some. If you watch The Last Dance, you'll hear it. If you, and if you don't, it's on Netflix. I advise you to watch it. It's a 10-part amazing series and one of Emmy. It's one of the best documentaries you'll ever watch. But the Bulls, the next season, they were going to defend their title for two for another consecutive season. Repeating, defeating the Blazers in 1992. Where he had the sixth game. This game where he had six threes and the shrug game. He was, what in the world is going on with Michael Jordan? He was on fire from three-point range. Here we go. Here's 
at three again. You know, and, and just let us know that, hey, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good. It's my game. I love it. I love it. And Michael Jordan, with 35 points, has set an NBA record most points in a half in an NBA championship series. That'll be the second of Michael Jordan championships back-to-back. And he'll second finals MVP in the year. He also won MVP. And and he'll go on in that summer to join the dream team and be a key figure of that team. Arguably the greatest team ever assembled with 11 Hall of Famers on that squad. John Stockton, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, who was retired by who retired that offseason. Patrick Ewan, David Robinson, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, MJ himself. Like Chris Mullen, like the list goes on. The all-time greats on that list, the Hall of Famers. In Barcelona, Spain, it was the first Olympics where NBA players were allowed to be in the Olympics because before it was amateur college players and they were getting their butt whooped by professionals and it wasn't fair that college players had to go against professionals. The USA couldn't have college players and they changed it. I mean, professional players and they changed it. Full of the era's best players who were respected as basketball royalty by their opponents and they outclassed they outclassed and destroyed every opponent in their path to the gold medal and they became idolized pop icons by the world's fans. And when they were over there, man, they, everybody knew who they were. Everybody. They were big pop stars wherever they went. Big time stars. They couldn't hide from the publicity, the publicity and from their fans and the media. Like, they were rock stars. They were like the Beatles in town. It was, they were that big. The Jackson 5, like Michael Jackson's in town. Like, and Jordan was the main attraction of them all. He was it. In 1993, where they were going to three-peat. They let, he led the Bulls past the Knicks for the fourth time in five postseasons. This time, these comments finals in six games without the home court advantage. He scored 54 points in a game four, 105-95 game four win. In a game five, Jordan recorded a triple-double, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. But the crucial play was the Bulls' successive blocks of put-back attempts by the Knicks' Charles Smith. In the final seconds, that allowed the Bulls to escape the Garden with a 97-94 win. They sealed the series with a 96-88 victory in game six. And then in the finals, he set a finals record. He posted an average of 41 points per game in his six-game series victory over the Suns in a decisive game six. The Bulls again stormed back to overcome a fourth-quarter deficit. In one of the finals games, he had 55 points. 55 points. 55 points, man. This, like, bro, this dude is different. He would go on the three-peat and then won the clinching Game-winning shot, he passed to John Paxson, three-pointer with 3.9 seconds on the clock for a 98-97 victory to secure the three-peat and his third finals MVP and the third for the Bulls franchise. Here is a little bit of the 55-point performance audio from the 9-3 finals MJ put up in that finals against the Phoenix Suns, led by Charles Barkley, who, in the if you watch the video, you see the demoralization he did to his opponents. He annihilated his opponents, opponents not only physically but mentally. Here's the audio. They want to play good defense without fouling right now. There is a seven-second disparity between the shot clock and the game clock. Jordan, yes! And it counts! You know, it would have been better for Charles to foul him all the way. 
And remember I was talking about whether John would hard foul Michael Jordan. It was time for that hard foul right there. Instead, instead of holding him, and it's a chance for the three-point play. Jordan puts the ball on the floor, goes to the basket to try and initiate contact. Instead of taking his arms down, Charles Barkley drives to the basket. Gives Chicago the lead. Here's the audio now from when John Paxson hit that championship clinching shot in 93 to seal that first of the three-peats for the Bulls in 93 against the Phoenix Suns. They put some time on the clock, 14 and four-tenths of a second now remaining in the fourth quarter. And what the official is saying is that there was a shot clock violation first that took place, then the timeout. And they just made another adjustment. 14 and one-tenth seconds remaining. Well, the Suns have shot only 41% from the field, but they have done it at the foul line. 30 of 36, they've also done it with 17 offensive rebounds. However, the Suns, with a chance to ice the game, have missed six of their last seven shots. So the Bulls have been able to come back fourth quarter though Chicago with a mere nine points they've been outscored 19 to nine the NBA finals record fewest points in the fourth quarter 13 Michael Jordan has scored all nine Chicago points here in the fourth nine of us in the 
who was murdered in cold blood during an armed robbery. He was Jordan's main, he was his best friend, and he was there for him on a regular basis as he climbed his ladder to success, the mon monumental success he achieved in his career. He was emotionally drained and seeking new challenges before the start of the training camp, and he stunned the basketball world by announcing his retirement. After there was much speculation, he returned to the spotlight in a baseball uniform. Michael Jordan wanted to fulfill his dream that he promised his father as a young kid when he was setting his sights on the uh, Major League Baseball. Michael Jordan, at first, he wanted to be in the pros for baseball. He wanted to be in the MLB. He, he, he didn't always want to be in the NBA, if you guys, if you believe, if you believe that or not, you're wrong. His first love was baseball, and he wanted to fulfill the dream inspired by his father, especially after his father's death. He spent the 1994 baseball season playing for the Birmingham Barons, who was the affiliate of the Chicago White Sox in the Class AA Southern League. He was a competent, a competent if but not a, a, a very unspectacular baseball performer. Uh, his hope of reaching the big league seemed dim, and with Major League Baseball embroiled in a labor dispute during that time in the mid-90s with the lockdown and player strike, the, as the 1995 season neared, he focused his competitive fire back on the NBA. And late in the 94-95 NBA season, he came out of retirement with the, the classic, iconic statement, I'm back. Hey, Mikey, we like it. Not a huge surprise, but clearly one of the great comebacks since Burt Reynolds' hairline. It came in a two-word statement, which is now just begging to have a Nike campaign built around it. Quote, unquote, I'm back. That's all Jordan said on Saturday. That was really all Jordan needed to say as his 17-month retirement came to an end. He will be back on Sunday when the Bulls play the Pacers, and probably not so coincidentally, the game is on national TV. The Bulls arrived in Indianapolis on Saturday night, and while Michael Jordan was not on the team charter, he will be there by game time, and that makes Phil Jackson happy. We're all very happy about this. Uh, we think it's going to be great for our basketball club. We hope expectations, which are going to be high, aren't overreaching for what we have as a basketball club. We're just glad he's getting back on the court. I'm happy that he's back. I think he's going to add a lot to uh, the NBA, especially in the playoffs. I think he's back because he was missing competition, and he's ready to go again. But I don't, I don't think, in my mind, I don't favor them to win it. We, we feel we have the best record in the world, and we're going to try to keep going and get to the finals. You know, however they handle their team, that's their own business. Welcome them back, but we don't care concern ourselves with them. There was so much media coverage of Michael's return. Everybody was wondering, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Is he really coming back? There was so many news reporters from locally, nationally, even news reporters outside of Chicago who were wondering if he was going to come back or not. That's how big of a phenomenon it was. It was baseball's loss and basketball's gain. Because basketball, yes, it was still doing great with all-time greats like Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, who's a new face in the league, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, all these upcoming stars. You had the old John Stockton, Carl Malone, all these guys carrying, how King Olajuwon carrying the league. But Michael Jordan was that missing piece. He was the face of the league, the face of sports. The face of sports that was missing. Even though he was back, he was back with well, the first few games, the number 45. It didn't look normal. It didn't look like MJ. It was unorthodox. He wanted to leave the number 23 behind, but as you guys later know, he'll go eventually go back to the number 23. And he tried to carry the Bulls to another title in the 90, late in the 94-95 season. But they eventually lost to Orlando Magic in the semifinals, I believe. 
if I'm correct, either the semifinals or the final. The, yeah, the conference semifinals against the Skeeter Neal led Magic in six games. But before then, he averaged 26.9 points in 17 regular season games, which the Bulls played to a 13-4 record. And his most memorable game coming back, yes, he came back against the Pacers, but he didn't play that well. He he, he looked like his, his he was rusty. His timing was off, as expected, especially when you're out for a year and a half. When you were playing at the highest, highest levels before then, you're, you're not going to be your top self. But yeah, his most memorable game of the initial comeback occurred six games in when he dropped a double-nickel game against the Knicks in the Garden in extraordinary fashion. He was 32 at that point, and he didn't have the same type of bounce that he used to have in his early years, in his, in the, from 84 to 93. But he, he, he mastered the fadeaway jump shot and spinning layups, and his fundamentals of the game seemed even sharper in that second three-peat. And in the waiting moments of a tie game, he drew attention on the de- away from pulled the defense out toward him because they were so focused on him taking the last shot like he has done so much throughout his career. And he showed his unselfishness and maturity over the years, dropping down that pass to wide open Bill Wennington under the basket for the winning points and a 113-111 victory over the Knicks. Here's the audio to that amazing game. Jordan's return to New York City. These two teams could be matched up in the first rounds of the playoffs. Jordan is two for two to start this game. Finish on the break, offensive boards, take it strong. They're going to keep going to the well with Jordan and starts. Double team, Oakley gets there, too late. Oh, oh. and did you ask, is he back? <laughs> oh, come on. Like what that. a move. On the double team, remember Charles Oakley's a good defensive player and starts his quick. That will be challenged in all of the big games, taking care of the defensive board. Jordan starts out on fire. Michael is four of five, has eight points in the first quarter. He had 18 versus Atlanta in the third on Saturday night. And Harper out there. All three guys are great at playing the passing line. Jordan, 16-footer. He's on fire. Michael Jordan. He only did it nine times throughout his nine-year career. In place of Cooper at power forward. Ten to shoot. Jordan, pull up. Thirteen points for Jordan. Eight to shoot. Jordan, pull up jumper. That's a tough shot. He has 15. Now can Bonner play Michael? Oh, that, that, was, that was interesting. Long range, nothing. Michael says, yeah, he can stay with me. 40 seconds to go in the quarter. Jordan, he hits three. What else? It's 20 first quarter points for Michael Jordan. It's not going to work. Everyone else must understand that they have got to finish the play. Like that. Of course, that's Michael Jordan. Bulls were 0 for 8 in the second quarter. And Sita always lets you back. But you must shoot high percent. Just like that from Michael like Jordan, that. who has 24. Ewing being played by Pippen. There's the double team. Right into the arms of Jordan. It's two on two. Oh, yes, and a foul. You know, Bob, that was like slow motion. He was just gliding, just gliding because he knew that just watch the step that he makes when he decides that he's going all the way. Boom, there it is right there. Takes the bump. 
and the, the beautiful control of the ball with the one hand. Uh, it feels like Beethoven has come back to right his 10th and 11th. Five seconds. Four. You see it on the lower left. Jordan. Three moves. Wow! 28 points for Jordan with two and a half minutes to go in the first half. Loves playing starts. 30 points for Michael Jordan. He's looking on Jordan as though he's watching a virtuoso here tonight. Corey <laughs> Blunt is in the game for Pippen. The reason they do not want Pippen to pick up another foul. Five to shoot. Jordan. Oh, yes. He's fouled hard by Patrick Ewing. See, he elevated for the dunk that time. He was going dunk all the way. He fooled Starks. Starks thought that he was going to the middle. I didn't see a lot of remorse on the face of Patrick. <laughs> At the end of the first half, Knicks with a six-point lead. Opening moments, third quarter, Jordan. He has 37. Now remember, chances are you'll get, you'll get the rebound. Yeah, you're thinking there is that if you miss, boom, you got the rebound. Jordan operating, fell down, got rid of it to Pippen, back to Jordan. Three! And Jordan has 42. Three. But Michael felt that he had it. Well, just in regain the lead, they have trailed by as many as 14 in this game. It's tied with seven. This year, their differential is only 2.5. Bulls with a chance to take the lead, down 80-79. 30 seconds, a three-pointer. for Michael Jordan. He has 49 points. His next field goal will break the Madison Square Garden record by an opponent, and we're in the third quarter. He shot that from the garment. Isolated against Starks, carrying five fouls. Jordan from 16. There's the record. That's the record of the most points scored against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Jordan's old record of 50, his new record, 51. High screen and roll. Jordan with 53. Ewing with 34. Starks with five fouls. Jordan's fadeaway blocked by Ewing. Starks, good pass. Look out, Duncan. Yes. That brought him to their feet. It's tied at 107. Right now, Michael, Michael is forcing the action right now. The last three times down the floor. When they have played their best in this half, they just all played within the offense. He forced it again. Goes to and carrying five fouls. Oh yeah, first to the left and then to the right. But then again, that's why he's the greatest. Because all he did was extend. Now just keep an eye on it. He extends, now how about people? Because they're saying, are you going to double team Jordan? If they do, if you double team, they're gonna spot up. Michael finds the opportunity. Yes. Winning, 10 with a chance. 
Who has been double teaming him in the lane? Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. And that was by design in here, and one of your guys just get a piece of it, and the game's over. Right there. A great win for the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan, 55 points. That audio says it all, right? I hope you guys listen to that. that it's, it's just a testament to the gracefulness he played with and his greatness. It was just six games in he played at that point. His coach, Phil Jackson, said in the aftermath, said it's rare that players can live up, live quite up to New York. I've seen a lot of them fall flat on their faces because of the pressure to perform there. But he had the whole evening in the palm of his hand. Sometimes the game just seems to gravitate into his grasp. And Michael Jordan had huge hands. I don't know if you guys ever saw his hands. That's why he was able to palm the ball so well and maneuver it in the air with both hands so easily away from defenders and do whatever he wanted in the air because he had a huge hands. He was able to palm the ball so easily. That was the difference between him and Kobe. Kobe didn't have huge hands like MJ. Kobe's hands were kind of smaller and normal, like a normal person's, but MJ had like huge mittens for gloves, just like Kawhi Leonard and Dr. J. Huge hands. They were able to move the ball up in the air, do whatever they want in the air with the ball, and get, get take it and move it farther away from their opponent because they have these huge advantage of hands to help them. <laughs> he, he scored in the playoffs in 95. He averaged 31 and a half points per game, but despite his presence, they couldn't wear it. It wasn't enough to get past Orlando Magic, who made the finals that year and was actually lose to the Rockets. Hakeem Olajuwon led Rockets won back-to-back championships that year. But even though Michael Jordan, his championship quest was fulfilled the following season with almost a whole new band of teammates and players. Then in his first title runs, he began the season with his old number 23 uniform. Scottie Pippen was the only one remaining from the first three championships, and they, the Bulls added Dennis Rodman. And an, an, a very an enigmatic player, very flamboyant player, chaotic player, and very energetic player. One we have probably never seen before. He was a rebounding defensive phenom machine. One of the greatest defenders and rebounders you'll ever see. He's like Draymond Green if, today if you watch basketball, but he was a way better defender and more athletic than Draymond was and a better rebounder. He He's like everything Draymond is, but better defensively, more athletic, and better rebounding. He can't shoot like Draymond the three, Draymond's not a great shooter, but he's capable of shooting it. As long as maybe it was the different eras. They didn't shoot threes like that back then. So, but yeah, Dan Sharman is like Jamon Green, but a more athletic and better rebounding defender than even Draymond was. The team enjoyed the most remarkable season ever, winning 72 games. That was the greatest record ever in NBA history in 95-96 when they won 72 games and only lost 10 until the Warriors in 2015-16, 20 years, exactly 20 years later, defeated it for 20, with the 73-win season and nine losses. He led the team with, Jordan led the team with 30.4 points per game as the Bulls charged to a record 72 victories during the regular season and they stormed through the playoffs with a 15-3 record ending in a six-game finals win over the Sonics. He's poignantly captured that title on Father's Day. And I, he was cradling that ball. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. If you look it up on Google, man, you can see it, the picture is him crying on the floor. But that championship, like, it's, 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 it's iconic, bro. It, it makes it gives you chills on your skin. It makes you want to cry yourself. 
wanted to win it on Father's Day, his first championship ever since his father's murder. I can't imagine the emotions he was feeling on that day. And it's just, it's just, it's just sad. Like emotional impact of the moment was overwhelming. He captured his fourth Finals MVP of his career, the All Star Game and Finals MVP. He captured the MVP award for the regular season as well. He joined Willis Reed as the only man to win all three honors in the same season: All Star MVP, regular season MVP, and Finals MVP. Man, like. They were the unstoppable Bulls in 96. But after capturing that fourth championship in 96, he would go on to create the iconic movie, Space Jam. And I know many people in my generation, 90s kids, and even 80s babies grew up watching that. Everybody has watched that iconic movie. One of the most iconic movies in sports history. Baseball. Yeah, now that's a sport. And when you're finished with that, I suppose you're gonna fly, huh?
Getting high in the air as he goes to the baseline for the jumper. Then comes up short on this as the leg showing a little effect. Never got a good look at the basket there. And this time coming off under. Jordan being played by Russell. Hopper for three. Yes. Ron Hopper from downtown. It's the J. Red Hot. Opening quarter. Chicago just 5 to 15. Michael Jordan is back, putting the move on Chris Mars. So Jordan has six points, three of six. Michael Jordan coming out, resting the last couple of minutes of that first quarter. Just a little right to left move to easily shake Chris Mars. But then. Michael Jordan has had to carry so much of the load as Hornacek back-to-back horrible turnovers for Utah. And Jordan puts moves on Hornacek. And Pippen able to glide in for the rebound. Jordan finding Longley. And the Jazz now leading by just play basketball. Evans came over to uh, join Dan Crawford because uh, Stockton and Parker were pushing on the lineup. Jordan to the crossover. Yes. Not bad for a guy playing with a 13-2 run. Well, there's a theory that if you're hurting some or not feeling particularly well, that it heightens your awareness and concentration. You take a little more effort with the money. 
in the second quarter. It's down a three-point Jazz lead. And the steal by Jordan. Putting behind the back on Russell. He turned it around and sent it to Pippen. Jordan. John Stockton out of control, passing on the move right into the hands of Michael Jordan with Scotty Pippen filling the lane for the nice finish, and Jordan not taking anything for granted, finishing off. Stockton in all kinds of trouble, tries the Dennis Rodman flop, doesn't get the whistle there. Jordan's in the line. Great. <laughs> All right, thanks, Ahmad. Well, I'm told by the Jazz players that Jerry Sloan really threw a tirade at halftime, screaming at them, unhappy that they were up 16 and then lost the lead. Said we'd need more defense, transition, keep them off the boards. Pass, Ostertag was great. Carl Malone's got the three fouls, has to play very smart here. Nice pass, Jordan to the cutting Longley, and the Utah lead is down to two. Oh, the best job by Luke Longley. It's on Hopper, his third. Carl Malone coming to double team, and Rodman just did a good enough job of getting in the way of Greg Foster to enable. And mistimed by Ostertag, looking for the tip. Chicago down by two. Jordan got the step. Jordan has tied the game at 63. To beat the uh, Blazers four games to two, that was their, their second of four times. It's 2-2 right now in this game number five. Michael Jordan cuts it to a five-point Jazz lead. Game surface Morris with 11 points off the bat. Jordan, yes, the Jazz 77 and the Bulls 71 with two. Able to come up with it on the deflection. Jordan fires for two. He's tied the game at 77, and he did it in casual form. Poise, confidence, discipline, the exchange between Pippen and Jordan. Once, twice, right back. You do it, big guy. Pump fake, freezes the defense, the jumper, net. Then he staggers back to the bench, near exhaustion, ready to fall over. He's got his team tied now. <laughs> Where is that bench? He gets there and sits back. And oh. <laughs> they put the ice bag on his neck. Left by one. Russell on Jordan. Anderson cheating over. Shot clock at seven. Jordan shooting. Yes. Chicago 79 and Utah 77. But, but wants to really drive, but not a good enough spacing by the rest of the Chicago Bulls, but just that little shake was able to get Brian Russell on his heels. Michael just laying. NBA Finals game was game four of the 93 final series against the Phoenix Suns. Michael Jordan with 55 points, 21 of 37 from the field. The 55 tied Rick Barry for the second most points scored in a finals. Elgin Baylor scored 61 against the Celtics for the Lakers back in 65. In recognition of this classic moment, the Miller Brewing Company will donate $1,000 to the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Fund to check up on the condition of Michael. Just did it with two on the shot clock. Three-point Jazz lead. Bulls have missed their last six shots. Jordan, yes! But Jazz by one. And Michael Jordan on the move, beating Russell to the right, hanging in the air, and finishing that shot off. Five. Five.
shot clock. Pippen making Hornacek. Here's Jordan. Yes. Michael Jordan. In the fourth quarter. That's hard to believe that you can lose track of time and score as Carl Malone did there right next to Pippen. He does have five fouls. No excuse. Should have committed one there. Michael Jordan playing on heart and spirit. The missed free throw here. Everybody's standing there. And then the furthest guy from the ball, Michael Jordan, comes up with it. And then he backs it out. They post up Scotty. And then for no reason, they double team Scotty down low and leaving Michael Jordan. He knocks down this three, gives him the huge lead. And then the total exhaustion on the bench. Michael Jordan sucking air, got the back massage from Scotty Pippen. I think Chicago just fouls right here, makes it a free throw game. Three games to two lead, they win it 90 to 88. A courageous, classic performance by the flu-ridden Michael Jordan. Yeah, so the Bulls will become champions once again. That'll make five championships, a handful of championships for Michael Jordan after after a satisfying six-game victory over the Malone led the Utah Jazz, the Malone and Stockton led the Utah Jazz, and despite a horrible case of stomach flu, if you have watched the last dance, they were saying, oh, it was probably a hangover. There's been so many conspiracy theories out there. Somebody left a box of pizza, and they put something in it. Like, there was so much stuff. It was just crazy. But despite a horrible case of stomach flu in a critical game five, he would not let his team lose. He scored 38 points, and the Bulls won the game, and then the title at home in game six. He was also named the Finals MVP for the fifth time. The Bulls duplicated the 3 P in 97-98 when another six-game series went over the Jazz. And Jordan, with his team down three points at the close near the end of game six, he scored on a drive, on a driving move to the basket. And then on the next possession, the next Jazz possession, he stole the ball from Carmelo, who wasn't looking or paying attention. He didn't see Michael Jordan coming from him. And Michael Jordan slaps the ball out of his hand to take possession of the ball with seconds remaining in the game. And he then, with 6.6 .6 seconds left, he sh shots over. He takes the ball, dribbles to the to the right wing. He, Byron Russell's guarding him. He crosses him up. Looks like he pushes Byron Russell off him. People said, so many people have said that he pushed off. But, man, it was his last shot as a bull that will forever be etched in many fans' mind and photographic history and sports history. He hits the iconic shot, his last shot, Chicago Bowl, perfect picture, perfect form, follow through, everything. Rotation, everything. Swishes through the net to give the Bulls the lead and eventually their sixth NBA championship in franchise history. Working on Russell. Brings them to within one. They scored within four seconds there. That's how quickly that changes now. Now it puts the pressure on the Jazz to score once again. Jordan with 43. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead. Timeout, Utah. 
1.2 seconds left. Michael Jordan running on fumes with 45 points. This was really the play that hurt Isaiah because they scored so quickly. Michael got in there and scored within four seconds. And what, and what happened was Michael doubled back. You're going to see he's in the play. Look where Hornacek is setting the screen. Michael never clears, so Malone doesn't see him. He comes from the blind side and strips him. So three crucial plays here by Michael Jordan now as he gets Brian Russell with a quick crossover. Look at Brian Russell slips, and Michael pulls up and buries the shot to give him a one-point lead. That may have been. Who knows what will unfold in the next several months, but that may have been the last shot Michael Jordan will ever take in the NBA. Watch Jordan's left hand here as he gives Russell the push. The referee can't see that. Jordan frees himself up for a clean look. The greatest thing about Jordan is he has all the tricks. That's why it's so difficult to guard him. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent is it? They go out in six. Stopped it. Harper's on him. Behind the screen. Harper got a piece of it. It comes off. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship. And it's their second three-peat. When you lose by this narrow margin, speaking of the Utah Jazz, Jazz there are so many things to look back on. But the Howard Isley three that was taken away in the first half will eat at them all summer long. Jackson and Jordan, perhaps for the last time. Chicago 87, Utah 86. Jerry Sloan showing class, trying to shake hands with each and every member of the Chicago Bulls who won two out of three here and two out of three in Chicago. That right there was Michael Jordan's last shot at Chicago Bull and secure their sixth championship in franchise history, his sixth championship of his career, and his sixth finals MVP, the most in NBA history. Man, bro, that everything about that play is just iconic. Gives you chills down your spine watching that. Just the and then he had no fear, bro. Like he was relentless in his approach. Kobe Bryant really studied this dude right here. Like this dude was relentless in his approach. And then after that shot in 1999, there was a lot of labor negotiations that were going on because there was a lockout that year in the league in 1999. He left the game saying, right now I don't have the mental challenges that I've had in the past to proceed as a basketball player. Despite not playing for three seasons during his second retirement, he then, he was still probably the most recognizable athlete in the entire world. He assumed uh, ownership and team executive role with the Washington Wizards 2000. He returned to play the game he loved after being frustrated in the owner's box with the team's performance. And on September 21st, 2001, he signed a two-year contract with the Wizards for a veteran's minimum. Doug Collins, his old Bulls coach, was coaching him. And with the Wizards, although the attendance was big because Jordan was playing, 
They failed to make the playoffs in his last two, his last final two seasons of his career. But he he was still a beast. He was still dropping forty points on the two thousands new generation stars like AI, Kobe, um, McGrady, Paul Pierce. Like he he was still, and he wasn't even near the player he was in Chicago. But then he finally retired in oh two oh three season, the his final season, and he got that last All Star start. In 2003, in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, Vince Carter gave up his all-star starting position for the great MJ out of respect. And I, I really appreciate that he did that. And that was the season he retired before um, the great LeBron James came in the league, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, Chris Bosh, the 03 draft class. So we never got to see him playing against LeBron and Wade, man. Especially those two when they were young and killing the league, bro. That would have been something to see. But yeah. He left as a player to return to an ownership and executive role with the belief that with a cluster of young stars, NBA was in fine hands. And above all, Jordan recognized his place in the game. He, even though he never really has said his, himself that he is the greatest of all time, he might think it, but he's never said it out of respect for the greats that came before him. He said, how are you going to say someone's the GOAT when you never got to play if people from other eras at, in their primes at their best? We're never going to be able to really do that unless someone makes a time machine. Um, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, in his book, For the Love of the Game, My Story, Jordan wrote, there is no such thing as a perfect basketball player, and I don't believe there is only one greatest player either. Everyone plays in different eras. I built talent. I built my talents on the shoulders of someone else's talent. I believe greatness is an evolutionary process that changes and evolves era to era. Without Julius Irving, also known as Dr. J, David Thompson, Walter Davis, Elgin Baylor, there would never have been a Michael Jordan. I evolved from them. And I'm glad he said that, man. Because a lot of people think MJ didn't idolize someone. You got you, you get it from somebody. And I hate when people be bashing Kobe for idolizing MJ. Don't you want to learn from the best to ever do it? Don't you want to learn from the greats? Don't you want to be great at your craft? That's why you study the greats. And whatever craft you love to do. Music. Um, sports. Entertainment. Acting. Anything. You study from the greats. Because that's what you want to take take your take apart from that's who well, that's what notes you want to take from the greats to have done take little bits and pieces from what that what they do on screen what they do on the field or court what they do in the studio booth on their songs like you want to take little bits and pieces from each and every one to help elevate yourself to that standard or above them to reach heights they've never seen before that have never been seen before and be something that people have never heard before or seen before and the team to expand for the next generation to come after you. And at the turn of the 21st century, ESPN conducted an expensive survey media members, athletes, and the others associated with the sports world to rank the 20th century's greatest athletes. Jordan was at the top of the list of Babe Ruth and icon Muhammad Ali. That, uh, that cemented his place in cultural icon status. Like I said before, and he became the majority owner of the Bobcats in 2010. 2009, he was immortalized in the National Basketball Hall of Fame as the headliner of the class that also included NBA legends John Stockton, David Robinson, and Jerry Sloan. And since 2006, he's held a minority ownership stake in the then Charlotte Bobcats. And then in 2010, he was approved by the NBA's Board of Governors as a majority owner of the Bobcats, like I said, just said a few seconds ago, by the team from then owner Bob Johnson. And he became the first black owner in NBA history. So not even just on the court, 
he was changing the game, but also in ownership stakes, showing the way for future young black men like LeBron James, who might become an owner one day for the Cavaliers. Who knows? We'll see. And guys like that to show them that a black guy can do this. He's paving the way for all these guys, man. On the Jordan, they eventually were named the Hornets. And starting the 2014-15 season to unite the city with the nickname of his first NBA franchise. He has his Jordan brand, which he started, like, I don't remember, but that Jordan. They even have a Jordan brand classic named after this man. And it's like a yearly annual thing, just like the McDonald's All-American game. That's how great this man is, bro. That's how great he is. It's insane. It's insane, bro. But yeah, man. As if you get to this point, thank you guys for listening. And before we go, I want to play this last audio clip of what the impact Michael Jordan had on the game of basketball, man. These are what NBA legends think of the legend Michael Jordan. His ability to take over games, his ability to want to have that last shot. And demoralize you. Yes. And scare the living hell out yes. of you. When you think of Michael Jordan, he's just, just that competitive fire. I believe that he, every night he stepped on the floor, he put on a cape. Michael Jordan for me was like, it looked like he was like Jesus, black Jesus walking towards me. <laughs> yeah. So when he walked in, it was like, I didn't know what to say. It was, it was overwhelming to meet, you know, to finally meet the guy that I've looked up to my whole life. Gets it to Jordan. Michael challenges and slams. Yeah, Mike dunked on me, but, uh, he knew I was there. That's why he got all hyped. He knew I was in there because a couple of games back, you know, we played him and I was blocking his shot. He remembered that. So that dunk was big to him anytime he dunked on me, you know, so hey. Michael Jordan is the best player ever. Kobe Bryant, one of the best did players you, ever. In your last first year, did you play? Was Michael in the league your first year? He was going. He, no, he was coming back to the Wizards. I worked out with him. Actually, he, I do have a lot of stories. I worked out with him uh, for two years on his comeback. Yeah, when he came back to the Wizards, worked out every single day. Charles Barkley is a great, great player, but Michael Jordan is in a class by himself, clearly superior to anybody else in the league. <laughs> Have another drink, Bob. Um, I would never say another player is better than me. Never. And I'm not going to say I'm better than him, but I would never say he's better than me. Because I can play basketball with any basketball player in this world. But I would never say another player is better than me because he would have an advantage on me going into the game. He made me want to be an NBA basketball player. And, you know, just to tell him, you know, thanks for everything he brought to the game and opened the door up for the rest of the players. Without his vision, I promise you, there wouldn't be no Hall of Fame Allen Iverson standing at this podium if it wasn't for this guy. He gave me the vision, man. And, um, you know, you want to be fast like Isaiah and you want to shoot like Bird, you know, rebound like Barkley, pass like Magic, be dominant like Shaq. But, man, I wanted to be like Mike. You know, we have a chance to play the world champions. And, you know, the day will come where I'll step on the court with, in my eyes, the best basketball player that ever stepped on a basketball court. And um, it was just an exciting moment for me, and it was something that I treasured for the rest of my life.
Do you feel that Michael is the best ever? I think so. I think he's the not only the best basketball player, but probably the greatest athlete that's ever played any sport. And you know, I'm growing up and I'm watching, you know, this guy, Michael Jordan. I think all you guys know him, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm growing up watching this guy on TV every day, and uh, I'm like, wow, you know, he's an amazing basketball player. I, hopefully someday I get an opportunity to meet him. So um, I think it was my junior year in high school, I go up to Chicago and I go to a gym called Hoops where he, he plays basketball in the summertime. Uh, and I didn't know he was going to be there. Uh, but I seen him, I seen him walking towards me and it was kind of like he was walking on air. He, I, I was, I had to, I had to pinch myself. Was, was, is that My, Michael? Who? And it was, it's like, he was like black Jesus to me. Like, <laughs> I was like the best, one of the best friends now, I've had. Now, had he, had. did he know of you? Well, yeah, I think he did. He, mm -hmm. you know, he, he called me a young fella, of course, yeah. uh, you know, and just basically told me to keep working at it. And someday I can get to the NBA. I was a junior in high school. So, uh, yeah. you know, I guess he told me something right and I just kept working at it. I tell you, like when we, when I was in high school, um, and, uh, I used to work out with the 76ers. I used to ask him, man, what's it like to guard Mike? You go, Mike, you mean black Jesus? I'm like, what the fuck? Black who? Oh, we call him Black Jesus. Or you can call him Black Cat. I'm like, I'm gonna call him fucking Mike. That's his fucking name. So the level of fear that he inspired in others was insane. Wow. And I would tell him, I said, when I face him, we're gonna go at it. He says, oh, you don't wanna do that. I'm like, what? Man, you don't know me, man. You took Jordan? I'm never going against Jordan, dog. I've never seen, it. I thought Michael Jordan was Jesus Christ. Like, playing to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> I swear to God, dog. Listen, man. The first time I played against him, and um, I, w I walked out on the court, and I, I looked at him, and for the first time in my life, a human being didn't look real to me. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, like, man, that's Mike. And I'm looking at him. I can't stop looking at him. Like, I'm looking at his shoes. And I'm like, man, he got on the Jordans. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was, it was Mike. It was my idol. It was my hero. I used to watch him and sit on my mom's dresser. And she used to tell me, boy, if you don't get back from that TV before you go blind, you better. Like, I wanted to be that close to him just watching him. I'm in his basement, and he have all the old footage on VHS. I'm watching the game. It's like 3 in the morning. He came out there like, oh, come on, we're going upstairs to the gym. He broke down how to score the basketball. That year, I was averaging like almost 30. He also said that you want to play against Michael Jordan before he retires. He's only got probably three or four more years left, so. I know, he's an old guy. <laughs> he's an old guy. But no, you know, that would be something that I love to do because, uh, you know, I watched him growing up. Uh, I love to play against Magic Johnson, but now he's retired. And Michael Jordan is somebody that I've always looked up to, and I want to play against him. He's undoubtedly the greatest player in the game. We're going to miss him. And I can tell all my ten children from nine different women that I play against <laughs> the great Michael Jordan. Are you still close with Michael Jordan, or were you ever close with Michael Jordan? Uh, Michael Jordan and I are friends, and I call him all the time because I like his brand Jordan sneakers and his clothes. And he sends them and, to and you? For free. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stockton, inside of Carmelo, they double it. Jordan knocks it away from him. Jordan's got it. 
favorite. I, I, I don't remember seeing many favorite things in person. I don't have a favorite Jordan moment, but I have a, a Jordan moment that I'm like very, very tired of uh, people coming up to me and giving me a hard time about. Here's Jordan for three, yes! Did you see that one? Before the game, I was terrified, but to relieve pressure of that, I ain't got to go from my work. Second thing I said, I can't let him dunk on me. That's not going to happen. So it was a play when he comes baseline. Jordan turns and faces. Shot clock at seven, six, and a Oh, no, Shaquille. That might really be hit him hard. I had to touch him up. Because one, I'm not getting dunked on. Because I'll never live that down from family members, homeboys, barbershops. That'll be a poster forever, because Mike was the man at the time. But Mike also taught me something very valuable. So when I go to help him up, he said, don't ever help nobody up. Great foul. Don't do that. I don't need your help. But I'm coming back. Don't you worry. First time he entered the league, that was my favorite moment. Just the impact that he had on the league, just coming into the league. I, I enjoy guarding Mike because he was, you know, the one thing I did with Mike is I never got him pissed off. You know what I'm <laughs> So, yeah, man, those are some icons, legends, NBA legends. What they had to say about Michael Jordan from his teammate. Scottie Pippen won those championships with Jordan, helped him win all those championships. The great late Kobe Bryant, the answer Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal, and many, many others, man. But yeah, I know this is a very long episode, so if you get to this point, thank you so much for listening. This is the first episode of this new series I'm calling NBA Player Bios, where I'm doing an episode of some of the greatest players of all time to educate you guys, to help you learn a little more if you or whatever you forgot about some of these all-time greats. And it's Michael Jordan, so this is going to be a long episode. There's so much this man has accomplished in life and on the court. Where he achieved numerous accolades on the court. Six-time NBA champion, six-time finals MVP, five-time NBA most valuable player, 19 in 1988, 91, 92, 96, and 98, 14-time NBA All-Star, 3-time All-Star Game MVP, 10-time All-NBA First Team, All-NBA, 11-time All-NBA altogether, made All-NBA Second Team in 1985, probably would have made All-NBA First Team, but not for the injury his second season. Uh, this was, I think, his second season, yeah, 1985. NBA Defensive Player of the Year in 1988, 9-time All-Defensive First Team, Rookie of the Year in 85, NBA All-Rookie First Team in 85, 10-time Scoring Champion, from 87 to 93 and then 96 to 98. Three-time NBA Steals leader in 88, 90, 93. Two-time Slam Dunk Contest champion in back-to-back years in 87 and 88. He had his Bulls jersey retired by the Chicago Bulls number 23. And he's the, I think he's the only player to ever have his jersey retired by a team he never, ever played for. The Miami Heat retired his jersey number 23. He's a three-time AP Athlete of the Year. He was a Sports Illustrated sports person in the year 1991. He's part of NBA's 50th anniversary all-time team. And he's an NCAA champion in 1982. He was consensus National College Player of the Year in 1984. Two-time consensus first-team All-American in 83 and 84. ACC Player of the Year in 84. Two-time first-team All-ACC in 83-84. And has his jersey, number 23, retired by North Carolina Tar Heels. He won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016 when Barack Obama was president. And he was the two-time USA Male Athlete of the Year in 83 and 84. But he also won gold medals as well in 84 when he, before he came into the NBA. And then in 92 with the Dream Team. 
that forever changed the game of basketball and expanded the game globally for future international stars that we've seen have come in the league over the past decade or so. Maginoli, Dirk Nowitzki, Paul Gasol, the Gasol brothers, like Tony Parker. The dream team had a big impact on that. Yao Ming. These the dream team is what brought those guys and made them interested in wanting to play basketball. Even Dirk Nowitzki referred to it. The dream team made him so look at basketball and be like, wow, I want to play this game. The Dream Team had a massive impact on the game of basketball. And Michael Jordan was at the forefront of it, of it all. And lastly, his nickname, Air Jordan, and his airness. He, 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 he was just the coolest on the court, and everybody wanted to be like Mike. Was he too early, too just right, or too late for the time he came into the league? I think Michael Jordan was just right. For the time he came to the league, because when he came to the league, Magic and Bird brought a lot of fan fan um, fans to the game. Everybody wanted to watch the game. The the league, David Stern was doing an amazing job in the league. There was a lot of stars. There was Dr. J, Kareem, Magic, Bird, Mikhail. It was all these guys that were ushering and making the league what it is, what it has become. And then you have the '84 draft with Hakeem, Jordan, Stockton, Barkley. Jordan, I think, was perfect for his time because the league's ratings were on the rise, and he was a big part of their ratings as well, and everybody wanted to be like him. He was very marketable. Um, the league's um, public image was going up. The league's ratings were going up at an all-time high, and some of the league's highest ratings were because of Michael Jordan, and he's a big part of it. He came at just the right time when the league was on TV a lot. They had a lot of national broadcast channels for their games on NBC, which brought in a lot of ratings and a lot of fans. And he, people were allowed to see him a lot. So I think he was perfect for his time, the marketability, the shoes, the game he had, everything. And you can also say he's a little, he was a little too early because of the athleticism he had. But I think overall, he was just right for his time. And off the court as well, becoming not just a great basketball player, but a shoe icon, a billionaire, like, like, bro, he has the biggest shoe brand of all time, of any athlete, the Jordan brand. LeBron's, Kobe's can't even touch the Jordans in terms of how much revenue it's made and how iconic and global it is. But yeah, I like to thank, if you get to this point, I'd like to thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was a very long episode, but I think this was a very well-made episode of the great MJ, Michael Air Jordan. He changed the game for so many in the shoe bit and the endorsement business with the sneakers. He dressed classy when he was on talk shows and with the media. <clears throat> he had an elegant way about him. He was smooth with it. He made being bald cool. cool. He made um, flying in the air cool. Because guys after him like Vince Carter, Kobe, Tracy McGrady, D. Wade, all came after Jordan. And they were playing in the air, doing amazing things. Allen Iverson, LeBron James. He made it really cool. He was coming to the league that had Bird and Magic, who were under the rim guys. And he changed it. <clears throat> he made sticking your tongue out cool. He made rocking cool kicks, playing ball, destroying st- destroying you while at it cool. He made baggy shorts cool. 
Like, he made a number 23. Cool as hell. He was the first one to rock number 23 that made it iconic in any sport. He was the one. And yes, he did say Republicans buy sneakers too. <laughs> but we're not going to get into that. Sorry, my voice is like cracking. I've been recording so much lately. <clears throat> but yeah, if you guys get to this point in the show, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I know it was a long episode, but hey, it's Michael Jordan, man. We gotta give the people what they want. We gotta, we gotta give them this proper respect. So thank you guys for listening. It's been your boy DJ Hamilton. See y'all next time. Into the